1: To you, the listener, I want you to know that I appreciate you, and I'm thrilled to have you here for another episode. If there's ever anything that I can do to support you, please reach out. That being said, here's a way that you can connect with me. LinkedIn is the channel that you're going to find me most active on. Just search for Lori Hybee. You can simply click the follow button as I post pretty much daily information about marketing strategy, tips, all podcast episodes, and any upcoming events you might be able to see me at. If you'd like to connect, just make sure to send a note with your connection request that references social capital. I can't wait to hear from you. Social Capital podcast is sponsored by Keystone Click, a strategic digital marketing agency that believes in order to successfully market to your ideal customer, you have to first understand that customer. Learn more at keystoneclick.com. Today's guest is David Chrysler. Dave is the principal operations consultant at the Chrysler Club and host of the Everyday Business Problems podcast. Entering entrepreneurship after spending nearly 20 years working for a publicly traded corporation, Dave quickly realized there was a tremendous need within small businesses to have access to the tools and support that were commonplace in a large corporation. Dave developed his operations framework to help small business owners reclaim their life and grow their business. Dave, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks so much for having me, Lori. I'm excited to get in this conversation with you.
1: Oh, likewise. I know you and I have had a couple of conversations and we just could easily talk for hours. So we'll do our best to keep it condensed today, right? <laughs> I know that that
0: could be a challenge, but I, I promise to do my best. <laughs>
1: um, well, let's just dive right in. What are uh, some key areas that um, business systems connect and how, how does that work?
0: Yeah, so from my standpoint, uh, and what I like to talk about from the operations perspective are four core areas, which are planning, people, process, and technology. Uh, No matter if you are dealing with a challenge in your business, or you are working on uh, planning to uh, have future growth, either the challenge or what you're trying to tackle is going to be in one of those core four areas. And so I like to talk about them in that particular order. I will never change the order of them because you can't have one without the other. And if you start to layer in technology before you do appropriate planning or have people or have process in place, it's a little bit like putting the cart before the horse as the saying goes.
1: I I totally get that. Um, I can see how... People might want to change the order though. And yes. I mean, do you see that happening a lot?
0: Yes. Uh, very often when you're up against a challenge as a business owner, or if you're on a leadership team, the, the probably two quickest things I see people fill the gap is, uh, you know, with people and technology. And what happens most often is if you're filling the gap with people first, without doing the planning uh, prior to. Uh, and if you don't have documented process, even, it, even, even though that comes after the people aspect, what, what tends to happen is that you have fairly underutilized people. So we hear a lot of people talk about the efficiency of you know, process and, and what they're doing throughout the day. But the thing that a lot of people don't talk about is the utilization of those people. Right. So when you're filling the gap with a person or multiple people because you're overwhelmed or you've got, you know, too many things on your plate, you've got too many processes or responsibilities, tasks that you're responsible for without a well thought out plan and without documented processes in place, more than likely you're going to be wasting a lot of time with those people. Uh, you know, and, and there's a lot that goes to that, it, you know, over the course of time, if you continue doing that, it's going to have an impact on your culture and, and many other things. So I, I don't want to get too deep into that, but that's kind of uh, problem number one, if you're going to fill the gap with people. Problem number two is if you're going to fill the gap with technology without, again, having the planning people process part in place, what often happens is that over the course of time. The leadership team, business owners, they're going to be pretty unhappy with the overall implementation of that technology. Um, it, it too often fails either during the initial implementation or over the course of time because, again, you've not had a well thought out plan going into it. Um, you know, and, and maybe that seems a little. Arbitrary saying that because people I will often hear, you know, no, we've evaluated 10 different softwares, we've, you know, gone through all of the sales demos and so on and so forth. But what I'm really talking about from that planning standpoint is understanding one, your business model and two, your business processes and how you can, by understanding those, leverage that technology to automate. Uh, and streamline what you're doing. So again, gets back to increasing the utilization of the people that you have. And if you're freeing their time up, ultimately, you can take those resources and redeploy them in other areas, hopefully generating additional revenue or what have you.
1: Love that. So let's talk about getting started systemizing your business. What's the best way to do that?
0: Yeah, best way to get started is to make a conscious decision that that's what you want to do. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that understanding where you're at today, uh, and we do have some tools available to help you do that, but to get a pulse on where you're at today in terms of that planning, people, process, and technology, um, when you understand where you're at today and you understand the goals that you have in terms of what you want your business to be like. Uh, That could be more locations. That could be just a a straight increase in revenue. It could be adding a product line. Uh, There's a bunch of different goals that you can line out for yourself, but understanding where you're at today, how those kind of core four areas work with each other to get you on a path of systemization to ultimately achieve the goals that you've now set forth. So
1: you've shared a lot of um, really positive, best ways, best practices? What are some things that we should avoid when creating these business systems?
0: That's a great question. I think the, the one thing to avoid is taking all of the work on yourself. It's one of the areas that I think from a, a leadership perspective, people can often struggle with. Um, and I, I know I did, right? Like I can always speak to my experiences personally, um growing up in an, in an entrepreneurial family and entrepreneurial environment, uh, my, my dad was a second-generation business owner, and that business had, you know, been started in the 70s. So if you think back to that time, uh, you know, it was kind of, as I, I jokingly say, rule with the iron fist, right, as top-down leadership Uh, do as I say. There wasn't a lot of collaboration. There wasn't a ton of engagement and empowerment happening, Uh, even though, you know, those things were still talked about. And, you know, you knew that as a leader, as an owner, you had to develop people, all those things. Right. So as I got uh, leadership roles and kind of more and more responsibility, especially early on in my career, I kind of took that uh, into those leadership roles early on, especially and while I did have some, you know, some, some limited success, I'll call it, with uh, different you know, systemization efforts uh, throughout those leadership positions, it wasn't for me until kind of the unlock of what could happen in terms of moving the needle further faster when you started to empower and engage the people around you. So lately I've been talking about this collective brain power component, but what I'm really talking about when I say that is empowering and engaging your team, the people that are doing the heavy lifting, that's the best place to start when it comes to systemization and planning and, and understanding where the bottlenecks are in your business. So that's the thing to avoid. Don't think that you can do all of this on your own. You want to be engaging the people that are, you know, doing the heavy lifting day in and day out. They know where, you know, the the real dirt is. They know what's slowing them down. Don't be afraid to uh, ask them. Don't be afraid to um, engage with them and empower them to bring those ideas to you so you can collaborate. And the other part of that is obviously don't be afraid to seek outside counsel. It doesn't necessarily mean that that has to result in some sort of a Paid engagement or anything like that, but there are so many resources available, especially today uh, in in the day and age of social media. You know, I produce a ton of content. Uh, I have a ton of free resources available. So, you know, don't be afraid to kind of seek outside counsel. As as I tell people, I, I've learned this stuff from doing it, you know, over 20 years, uh, directly working in operations and manufacturing facilities, many different ones, small size to, uh, you know, very, very large size businesses. So uh, don't be afraid to seek counsel, engage, empower your team. Those are the best places to, uh, to start and, and make sure you're not trying to do all of this on your own. That's the thing to avoid.
1: Yeah, I, I love all of that, that you had just said. Um, a couple of comments I want to add to that. I mean, engaging your team, especially when it comes to a process or a system, if you get their input, then they automatically have buy-in as opposed to you coming in and saying, this is how we do things now. Um, they're If it's their system that they're creating or they were a part of creating the new system, they're going to adopt it a lot faster than, yeah. than if you're just yeah. kind of...
0: A hundred percent. The other thing about that specifically is when you're building your business, right? At one point, you personally, as an owner, or even if you're in a leadership team, we're probably doing that particular process. And now there are other people doing that process. So my whole point is it's probably changed since the last time you had hands-on involvement which is just another reason to get the people that are doing that process day in and day out to get their input on it because they know to the detail all of the different aspects, all of the different factors, all of the different touch points. They know, you know, one thing we didn't talk about, but but let's talk about uh, you know internally who their internal customer is, who they're receiving, uh, information or, and or products from, right? So they have all of that information at their fingertips. Go to the source of truth. It's the people doing the work every day.
1: Yeah, I, I absolutely. I think that's a, a great way to position that. And, and I don't think um, people pay enough attention to that internal customer and really understanding that you are a team working together and um, let's create efficiencies to, develop the system and and maximize the output at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. I mean, one of the best things you can do as you get into this stuff, right? As you get into engaging and empower people, as you start talking about process improvement and you know ways that you can eliminate waste throughout your value, value stream, one of the best things that you can do is to start to collaborate across departments. So oftentimes, what I would do is, let's say we're working on a, a you know process improvement project, whether that was you know let, let's just say to identify some waste uh, within a particular process within a particular department, we would uh, take at least one to two people from the department pr- prior to and the department following. And bring them into those uh, events so we could get that input because it was so critical to make sure that they understood what they're delivering to the department we were particularly focused on, how that, how what they were delivering impacted that department. And same thing, how the department we were focused on, the delivery of whatever they were. Um, processing how that impacted the following departments. So that's a an area uh, you know that again, as you get a little bit deeper into this, tapping into that collective brain power and then expanding that into departments touching uh, on either side of of the particular department or, or work center, whatever the case may be, uh, that you're working on becomes really really powerful stuff.
1: Oh, great great information here. Dave, this would be a great time to pause for a quick message from our sponsor.
0: Social Capital is sponsored by Keystone Click. Located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Keystone Click is a strategic digital marketing agency focused on helping their clients generate and nurture opportunities online. For Social Capital listeners, they've created an awesome Guide to Profits booklet featuring 42 tips on how to build brand awareness, generate leads, and nurture those opportunities online. Visit keystoneclick.com backslash profits to download your own guide today.
1: So Dave, the purpose of the show is, is really to put an emphasis on networking. Everyone in the business world does does networking. We all know this, but a number of people just kind of start to have some reservations, hesitations, uncertainty when they hear that word. My goal is to really help alleviate that fear. So I'm hoping you can help me do that. Can you share with our listeners your most successful, or favorite networking experience that you've had?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I can speak to to the the, the two of us, right? <laughs> That's how we <laughs> met through networking. A hundred percent. You know, it's interesting for me, kind of my own personal journey on the networking aspect, and hopefully, this is of some value to the people that are listening out there. But, you know, I worked in a, a really big company uh, for many, many years, uh, nearly half of my life, believe it or not, uh, and so you know, for me, networking back then was all about internal connections, right? We had a company with a total employee number of like maybe three or 4,000 people. So there there were quite a few people internally uh, amongst all of these different uh, business units that were owned by this uh, corporation. So a lot of my, what I would consider early years was internal networking, right? I didn't, I didn't, put myself out there to meet a lot of people outside of the organization um, because I didn't understand the real power of putting yourself out there and meeting people outside of the organization. So when I left that Environment uh, in 2018, I very quickly realized, uh, you know, I needed to connect with a lot more people and figure out a way on how to do that. So when I started networking, I had, you know, on LinkedIn, I think I maybe had right at 500 connections or probably even less than that, to be perfectly honest. (laughs) And it... It, it was one, a little bit intimidating and scary because I think when you're first starting out, especially you're like, okay, you know, to your point, everybody hears this, but, but what does that really mean? Like, how do you just go out and meet people, you know, online and, and how do you, you know, I, I keep hearing people say like, make sure you add value. Well, what does that really mean? You know, yeah. how do you build a genuine relationship when you literally are, are, you know, talking to them over instant messenger, if you will, you know? Um, so yeah, I think a couple of things that really helped me is treat social media like you're in person, um, which can seem difficult to do, but when you think about it, you know, I I had a connection, uh, of mine kind of walk me through this example and I just thought it was so perfect, but you know, if you were a business owner that had a storefront, okay. And somebody walked in the store and was just wandering around kind of looking don't you think as a business owner or somebody within that business you, hey how are you doing you know is there anything i can help you with can i can i help you look for something right that would be a pretty typical interaction if you had a storefront and somebody walked into your business well if we took that same example and applied it to online if somebody reaches out to you and you just ignore that message you know, it'd be kind of like you owning a business, somebody walking into it and you just completely ignoring them. I'm not saying that every interaction is going to turn into a connection or turn into, you know, a paid engagement or, you know, a sale or any of those things. But I think the easiest way to start networking is to just be human, to show up, to be available and to put yourself out there and look for opportunities to interact with people. And you do it from from a genuine standpoint and it's okay to just say things like, hey, how's it going? How's your week going this week? You know, how did your quarter end up? I think the biggest mistake people make when it comes to networking and even, you know, when it comes to sales outreach is trying to hurry the conversation and the relationship to get to a destination, Mm -hmm. you know? if you just take some time and really try to get to know somebody on a genuine level, just like you would at an in-person networking event, or, or as I said, the example that I was taught, uh, I think those are the best ways to get started and to continue on. I mean, that's, that's really what served me. And over a relatively short period of time, uh, my network has expanded pretty, pretty rapidly. So.
1: Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. It's, it's, It's not about trying to get to that, that end goal. It's not a race, you know, it's, it's more that long marathon. It's, it's the long nurturing, building that long-term relationship. That's going to ultimately have um, greater results at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I mean, I guess to that, we should add, right. You shouldn't just go out and try to blindly connect with people and try to start random conversations. You want to be identifying people that you know, you can add value too. So I kind of like to categorize my networking in two different ways. I categorize it in people, you know, like yourself, other professionals who have a deep understanding of, you know, some sort of a vertical that potentially is in the same circle as my ideal clients uh, and the other people that I'm trying to reach. And then I have people that are going to be more, let's call them in the prospecting bucket, if you will, that from a surface level perspective, it looks like there's some value that I could add into that person, uh, you know, into the things that they're probably going through. So those are the two ways I like to categorize them. And the last thing I would say that's helped me personally is making sure that you have a Again, doesn't doesn't necessarily have to be this system, but have a system. I particularly like to use a CRM, uh, but it could be something as simple as you know an Excel sheet or you know some some notes, some really good notes. Uh, but have some sort of a a system in place to be able to keep track of conversations, keep track of key details about people. Um, because it's interesting, you never know where you might be looking at another resource online, and somebody will pop in your head and say, oh, man, I really have to share this with Lori, you know, I think she'd really appreciate this. Those are the genuine interactions where you either tag, hey, Lori, you know, I I saw this, I thought about you, or send you an email or what have you. Those are the types of genuine interactions that build real relationships with people. And that, you know, is what we should be focused on from a networking perspective is building real relationships with people, just like you would in person. It really is no different.
1: Yeah, that's a great tip on how to nurture your network, actually, is to just think if something pops in, if someone pops in your head because of an article, you're like, oh, so-and-so would be interested in this. um, That's a really good way to kind of continue to cultivate that relationship with them instead of, um, you know, not taking action on that. So we all like to know that someone else is thinking of us and it it does leave a little um, positive impact in in building and nurturing that long-term relationship.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the other thing I would add to that, that, um, you know, oftentimes you hear people be reserved to get on social because they don't want to create content. And, you know, one of the most powerful things you can do if you're not interested in creating content is to engage on other people's posts. And you can do that by leaving thoughtful comments. The other part that you can do that, again, kind of speaks to what I just said, is you can tag people in the comments and say, here's why I'm thinking of you. Here's why I think this is relevant to either a previous conversation we had or to a project that you're working on. And not only does that help your own personal connections with the people that you're potentially tagging, but it also can help you build new connections with the people's posts uh, that you're engaging with, right? So you you could meet the author. You could meet somebody else in the comments. Um, There's tons of ways to add value, to be engaged without having to necessarily uh, create a bunch of content. And that's one of the things I hear from people is, well, yeah, you know, but I I just, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to do any of that. Okay. Well, here you go. You don't have to, here's a whole nother way you can, (laughs) you could get involved and build your network without having to be a, a creator
1: yeah, love that. All right. I'm going to move you to a fun question now. If you okay. could go back to your 20 year old self, what would you tell yourself to do more of less of or differently with regards
0: to your professional career? Wow, that's a <laughs> That's a really great one. That is a really great one. I think for me, what I would tell myself is to, you know when i was when I was that age, I was chasing uh you know, my goals. And my goals at that time were centered mostly around the financial success uh, and kind of a level of achievement because I was a very young leader in the position that I was in. And so what I would tell myself is to be open to new opportunities and to recognize the skill set that you're building and what you could potentially do with that outside of the immediacy of the goals that you're seeking. Sometimes I think we get, you know, too focused on that and we don't open ourselves up to other opportunities. And uh, so that's what I would tell myself uh, if I got to go back and and do that. Great question.
1: Oh, yeah. I like that. That advice, actually, that you do you tell yourself, because it it's interesting. A lot of times you hear like stay in your lane, be super laser focused on achieving your goal and don't let other things distract you. But at the same time, your, the experiences you have in your life are really what create your perspective and give you the opportunity to grow. So, how are you going to have these experiences if you're not opening yourself up to accepting them?
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's. I, I would say it's a real balance there. Um, you know, kind of to your point, right? Yeah, you want to be focused on what you're trying to achieve, and 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 you don't necessarily want to take a bunch of twists and turns. Um, but the things I think about are, you know, try other things, right? How do you really know? Like, I think back and say, I really knew what I wanted to do. And here I am doing something kind of completely different than what I, you know, supposedly thought I knew I wanted to do. Uh, So when I was chasing after that and achieving those things, yes, I learned a lot. Yes, it's what's, you know, shaped me and impacted me today. And I'm, I'm ultra thankful for all of those experiences even even though at the time, I probably would have not said the same thing. Um, you know, it's being open and, and saying that there are other things out there to look at and to try and to be, um, you know, open to and and because at the end of the day, you know, there's a limited amount of time that we have here. And I think one of the things that's kind of thrusting what you hear with this great resignation, Um, I think one of the things that's thrusting that forward is the fact that people are recognizing we are here for a limited amount of time. And there are things that are important. And if you want to achieve something, if you want to try something, nobody's stopping you, just get out there and try it. It doesn't, a decision today is not permanent unless you make it. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, I love it. I think that's fantastic um, advice that you're sharing there. So I'm going to turn the, the microphone over to you. I know this is no not a new territory. You've got your own shows we talked about, but I'm going to give you the opportunity to interview me. So what's something you'd like to ask
0: me? Ooh, this is good. This is good. Where I, I guess my, my question would be, in your own business, where do you feel like you are at in terms of your systemization compared to where you want to grow your business?
1: Oh, that's
0: that's a deep one um, <laughs> how much time do we have right all oh, right well something
1: you said earlier on really resonated with me is that you know we've built the process and then um, you know I, I let's say I haven't touched it in a bit because I'm trusting the team to implement it and then I get get back into it and I'm like why why are we why are we not doing it this way <laughs> Um so I, I think that's interesting, just the evolution of of the process. And so many people think this is the way it always is. Um, but really uh it should be constantly evolving because there's new efficiencies, new resources available to um to do it better, you know. Um yeah. Yeah. I, I'd I'd say, you know, we've got a we've got a lot of documentation. Um we're not really good at the consistent updating of of that evolution that I talked about, um, I think one of our challenges that we face is the industry changes so fast. You know, if there's a a new social media channel, we have to learn the channel before we can even create the process. But even if it's not even a new channel, I mean, just think of like Facebook. Where was that five years ago? And and the best practice for posting and creating content and sharing content there has changed. It, it changes almost every day, you know. Yeah. So yeah, so those are those are some struggles that we have with the process documentation um, and and just maintaining that. Uh, if anything, it's more verbal com- com- conversations that we have on. Well, you know, this is this is based on recent studies, the best practice that we should start um, implementing when when managing some of this content for our clients.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point, especially when it comes to you know your business specifically um, versus maybe some somebody you know in the manufacturing space who who is manufacturing the same types of products. You know, typically that that process cycle is not going to change as much. But what you said in there uh, is still relevant, right? In, in both in both particular in both cases. So what you said in there was the fact that. You know, new efficiencies end up getting discovered, new tools get introduced. So there is always an opportunity to revisit and potentially revise a particular process. One thing I would say that might help you in your business specifically, because it is changing so often, uh, and one of the things I've been talking to my clients about is a shift from documented processes being more of very high-level um, outlines, and then shifting to video documentation. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason I bring it up for you specifically because within your business, I think there's a real solid use case to be making. You know, again, fill in the blank here with a tool. I'm I'm just going to pick one that I particularly uh, like and use, but Loom. Um, so you could make some really great Loom tutorials. On, you know, even a quarterly basis to kind of update and refresh the changes within those platforms. Mm -hmm. But, you know, getting it to a point where you've kind of have a block of time put put on the schedule. um, And if it's for your team, perfect, you can still, uh, you know, review what's what's happening. Um, but that's one thing I kind of really like uh, specifically for what you just talked about, but, but even, you know, in a broader sense for the people uh, that I'm working with, I'm trying to get them to be open to uh, creating these video uh, tutorials for the processes and let the process documentation kind of live in more of a a high level outline format. It's easier to update. It's not as um, word intense. So people, capture it much faster so sure. your new team members can get up to speed much, much faster uh, doing it in that fashion. So for, for what it's worth, a couple, couple of things to think about.
1: Yeah. Thanks. We definitely leverage video in a lot of ways, but yeah, it's It's the key there is making the time to, to do that, <laughs> to maintain yes. the, those videos. Um, love it. So I know you have an offer for our listeners. You want to talk about that real quick?
0: Yeah, happy to. Um, we offer a free business systems audit. It will help you get a pulse on where you are at uh, within your business when it comes to planning, people, process, and technology. Uh, it's a very fast 15 questions. Uh, you can take it in five minutes or less, and you will get a personalized action plan outlining uh, at least three steps that you can take uh, starting today to uh, number one, understand where you're at, but number two, and kind of more importantly, what you can do to start getting yourself, uh, and your business, uh, into the systems mindset and give you a couple of ideas on how you can get all of that started. So, uh, you can get that right from the website.
1: Yeah. Great. We'll include the link to, to that specific assessment, uh, in our show notes. Um, any final word or advice to offer our listeners with regards to growing and supporting your network?
0: Uh, you know, I think from that standpoint, it, it, it's my advice is always the same. Just get started. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Treat people like people and you'll be amazed at what happens when you do those few simple things.
1: Love that. All right. So, Dave, if anyone was interested in getting in contact with you, what's the best way that they can reach you?
0: Best place is either uh, on our website, which is just thechrysler.club, or you can look me up on LinkedIn. I'm on all the other social channels as well.
1: All right. We'll include all that information in our show notes. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Dave.
0: Thanks so much for having me, Laura. It was a great conversation. And I had a lot of fun.
1: Absolutely. All right. This wraps up our episode of Social Capital. A huge thank you to Dave Chrysler for taking the time to connect with us. As mentioned before, let's connect on LinkedIn. Connect with me, connect with Dave. We're both looking forward to hearing from you. I hope you enjoyed today's show. And most importantly, go reach out and connect with someone. Reconnect with someone from your past or find someone new to connect with. That's what it's all about, folks. Go and build those relationships. That's all for this episode of the Social Capital Podcast. Visit socialcapitalpodcast.com for show notes, more episodes, and to see who will be on the show next. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode.